Welcome to this episode of the Plant Breeding Stories podcast, where I talk to leading lights in plant breeding, asking what they do, what makes them tick, and what fascinates them about the world of plants. I'm your host, Hannah Senior of PBS International, world leaders in pollination control. We design and produce specialist pollination bags and tents used by plant breeders and seed producers all around the world. And through this, I've been privileged to get a unique perspective on how plant breeding globally affects our diets, farming systems, and the environment. I'm excited to share a little of this with you as we meet some of the amazing people who make plant breeding their life's work. Today, I have with me Wong Chu Kien, Head of Crop Improvement Division for Applied Agricultural Resources based in Malaysia. His work is in the oil palm sector, where he and his team are responsible for developing improved oil palm varieties and producing high-performing seeds for oil palm plantations. So, Chu Kien, would you like to tell me a little bit about yourself? Right, um, I'm Wong Chu Kien, like uh, Hannah introduced. I'm from Malaysia. I'm born in Ipoh, uh, which is a city. Um, middle of peninsula in the states of Parat. So, yeah, that's me. And uh, good fortunate to finish my bachelor degree in University of Malaya and also very fortunate to be able to experience uh, and did my postgraduate in the United States of Minnesota uh, for a Master's of Science. And now I've graduated from all these. I came back and um, a plant breeder now. So tell me then, how did you get into plants? Were you, uh, you know, I'm always curious, were you always interested in plants? Is it something that you discovered later on in life? I'm someone who has always liked biology and and that I know for sure because I did very well in school for biology. I like it because plants really fascinate me because of the beautiful ultrastructures, the anatomy of plants, you know, when we put on different stains, you see different colors and and all the geometries from the plant cells, they are really um, a piece of artwork, I would say. Yes, whenever I see a slice, they are really beautiful. So that's really something I enjoy when I was, when I was doing um, pure plant science. You said you did a bachelor's degree. Was that in biology or was that in plant science specifically? In, in the bachelor's degree, it was, uh, it was a course offered by um, the School of Biology in UST Malaya. And uh, there are many tracks. So the track that I ch- have chosen is called Agricultural Biotechnology. And it's obvious as its name, it's straddled across plants and animals. And somehow uh, from all the different experience I had during my first years of uh, interactions with different lecturers and exploring what suits me the best, I actually found I like plants the most. It subsequently interests me a lot is food security, as I came across an article when I was doing some um, research uh, work and reading and so on. So I find food security is something very important, and that clicks on to me to really contribute something which I think could help mankind. So that's how I got into plant breeding. I'm just going to interrupt for a second there and ask you, did you have any previous experience in agriculture before choosing that course? Uh, My family actually has a small farm that plants um, pomelos. So with that, that uh, 
really created impact, I suppose, to uh, understanding, seeing things grow and and appreciating ch- the changes when things grow. So things that doesn't grow much like genetics, somehow it eventually put me off and microbiology that's too small to consider ends up I, I yeah, just naturally for the pursuit of plants, yeah. You see, that's a that's a dream for me. Um, you know, being involved in growing pomelos. I love pomelos. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. If I recall, you went into agronomy initially. So, how did you get from graduating with a BSc in agricultural biotechnology into oil palm agronomy, and then to an MSc in plant breeding in the USA? What happened next was when I returned, I, I found an email just drop in, saying that um, there's an interview to call for a researcher. So my fans went and I got a job to do oil palm research in agronomy. And things got so fascinating with a new crop, with, with so little background I know about, but that particular exposure really fascinated me, which then I actually put down my, my thoughts of further studies. But somehow, uh, a year later, I was approached by my guru, Dr. So, from Applied Agricultural Resources, if I would be interested to join him um, in this company, which uh, also offer a opportunity to further studies uh, a post-grad degree in United States with uh, Dr. Rex Bernardo. So that's how I ended up in the States uh, for my Master's of Science. Maybe at this point, for any of our listeners who aren't familiar with oil palm, it would be helpful to explain a little bit about it. So perhaps you could just touch on what it is, how it's used. Just give us a bit of an overview. Oh, yes, it is. I think there, there are quite some perceptions um, about oil palm or probably impressions from many different people. But um, from our perspective, it's a really magical crop. I remember there was a tagline saying that oil palm is the gift to Malaysia and is Malaysia's gift to the world. I think it says it very well because this crop is really a productive crop. And uh, when it came to Malaysia in about 100 years ago and being domesticated further in this country then, um, it has grown so much because of its uh, suitability to the climate of Malaysia. This crop can produce 40 kilograms of oil per tree per year. So imagine 40 kilos you know, in a usual supermarket tin, you're probably looking at things like about a kilo. So there are four bottle, 40 bottles of those that can be produced by a tree a year. And it's perennial, so every 10 days, where uh, harvesting can be carried out and it's sustained there for at least 25 years of productivity. Oil palm, or more specifically the African oil palm, L.I.E. skiniensis, has played a major role in Malaysia and Indonesia's economic and social development, hasn't it? It's, it's not really something that is that new in, in its use because 10,000 years ago, uh, this crop has already been consumed as food. So I, I still remember some very interesting presentations that look into archaeology of this harm, where they actually found jars of um, oil, known to be palm oil, 
in the uh, Egyptians' uh, civilizations in those pyramids archaeological sites. So that's how how this this uh, why I call it evidently this particular crop has been used even to the nearest uh, human civilizations. So it is really interesting, and to our country is really important because this particular crop is doing so well here that it it's contribute near to. Uh, of course, together with Indonesia, it's near to 85% of the productions uh, of palm oil, and it creates jobs for, for, for people. And uh, it was said, uh, well, there's some estimation saying that one workers in eight hectares. So that's how, how important it is in, in reference to career or job uh, possibilities in this, with this crop. And you mentioned its productivity, and this is a really important um, aspect of oil palm, that it yields more calories per hectare than any other crop that humans farm. Can you put that in context for us? So it gives us about near to four tons of oil per hectare as compared to other uh, oil crop like rapes, sunflowers, soy that lingers around 0.8 tons per hectare to 0.5 tons per hectare. So, so I think it is very productive oil crop, yeah. So oil yield per hectare is already very high compared to other crops, which is one reason oil palm is so important to the world food system. And of course, yield is always an objective in a breeding program, even if you start from a high baseline. But oil palm also relies heavily on manual labour, which is becoming more expensive and harder to secure. So how does this feed into the breeding program priorities? <laughs> yes, as you have said, that's very true. Um, yield is the utmost important trait, and we're still looking forward to improve the yield. Other than that, we understood that uh, there is some limitation in this crop, typically in harvesting. Although we can harvest it 10 days uh, per, per time or per round, the difficulty is the tree will grow tall. And um, with current technology, it is still quite manual. So we are targeting materials that we can harvest it easier. For example, if the stalk or the potential is longer, which obviously will facilitate the need in easy harvesting and uh, pro- probably things like uh, non abscissions so, so there will be less loose fruits to collect in the process of harvesting. So all these are uh, agronomic features that the breeders are looking for apart from yield. So th- these are the couple of things that also in our mind, like high increment, anything can, that can make harvesting less complicated, easy, you know, um, with is, is our objective because the crop needs people to, to work with. I guess the other thing about oil palm, and you mentioned this right at the beginning, is it's a perennial, and that means that the breeding cycles are quite long, aren't they? Yeah. It'll take a long time to go from seed to productive palm, and it requires a lot of space to grow plants to maturity for progeny testing. So how does that influence the way that your breeding program runs and what technologies you use? Breeding with oil palm, that it has long cycle, and the need to run progeny tests with such a big tree crop that occupies uh, quite some land to, to do testing, anything that can reduce the uh, cycle will definitely benefit the program. 
Now, typically, um, in, in our work in molecular breeding, so we look into this aspect. The, the program that I had in University of Minnesota with Dr. Rex Bernardo looks into this aspect that we would like to turn the cycle early. Well, though, though the crop is perennial and can stay uh, more than 25 years uh, in the ground, but it actually physiologically mature around two to three years after planting. So that's, that's, that means if we can do without um, progeny testing and could do selection with a molecular technique and things of such, it will allow us to turn the generation earlier. So which then, in a way, reduce the need of the, the progeny test time that usually 10 to 12 years or so. So that's in a way we, we consider that is a route to reduce the breeding cycle in, in duration. So that's really helpful. Any, any things of that kind of direction, even on um, the technology like haploid technology, you know, in, in generating um, inbred line in a faster speed, Will, will also facilitate this um, kind of re uh, research. So th those are the things that we are looking into actively in our breeding program. You're listening to Plant Breeding Stories, brought to you by PBS International, world leaders in pollination control. We're exploring the personal stories behind the people who've dedicated their careers to plant breeding helping us to more productive plants, greater food security, and more sustainable agriculture. Transcripts of all our podcasts are available on the PBS International website. And now, back to the podcast. So, Wong Chu Kien, we've been talking about breeding priorities at AAR. What's attracting your energies and interest at the moment? <laughs> um, well, if... If we looked into oil palm breeding, we now started to look into this um, species called Elias olifera. I, I, we, we think that the, there is a great potential in this particular um, species. And this is the South American oil palm. Yes, it is. Yes. So there, there are many desirable characteristics in it that we think will suits really uh, to to the suits really well to the program, like the slow height increment, the non abscissions characteristics. So all these characteristics from the South American oil palm, Elias olifera, if it would have in the commercial variety, it will really benefit the industry. So we are engaging quite a bit of our effort in our breeding, in exploring the species itself by its pure and the hybrid, the interspecific hybrid, the olifera with the genensis, which is the, the sovereign called oil palm with the uh, African oil palm, to see what kind of uh, uh, possibility from these two species when when it comes as a form of hybrid. So we, we, we are investing quite some of this um, uh, effort in breeding for with, with this new, um, or I should say this species. I mean, there are people that were looking at it uh, aggressively too, but somehow I think the interest was... Uh, um, the interest dies off in the 80s um, due to the, the results from rather very specific um, 
olifera that was obtained then. Um, yeah, but I think that today's picture is a little different because the oliferas is also um, uh, have many origins. So we're looking all possible combinations from this particular species with the uh, Africa wild palm. And hopefully we could uh, really identify something useful to the industry. So that's, that's something that we have been working on. Your role is Head of Crop Improvement, which includes both seed production and new line development work. So could you tell me a little bit more about your role and the functions that you oversee? You have introduced me as the Division Head for Crop Improvement. And uh, yes, I need to oversee the different sections that enter this division. So there are three sections, a plant breeding section, then the tissue culture, and the um, molecular biology. But what's good about the team is that they are very competent and they function really independently. So therefore, um, I would see myself more like a moderator in, 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 in the role as the head of crop improvement division. Because the, the goal for us is really straightforward and we all had a common goal which is to create variety and yeah and while we're developing variety we we understand more about sciences and that helps us to change the way we do things but at the end we still reach to the final goal which is the variety development goal you mentioned the team there, and one of my impressions of AAR, Applied Agricultural Resources, is that you invest in people and training people and bringing good people through and keeping them with the business. Do you think that shows in the way that you yourself have been treated and also the way that your team aligns and stays loyal to the business? Yes, 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 definitely. The training opportunity in reference like uh, further studies um, is always encouraged and um, attending to scientific conferences uh, being local or international is also encouraged um, so so that that particular part is well uh, set up in the company that has always been the case in our belief development in human resources is never a, a, a yeah it's never a, a unprofitable if you look into it as an economic proposition it's never an unprofitable situation yeah it's always been our goal to develop people mm. and and you have first-hand experience of this because your boss dr so supported you to study in minnesota so how did you find that it's a big difference moving from tropical Malaysia to very chilly in winter Minnesota. Tell me a little bit about your student experience. I suppose um, many of us are influenced by um, Hollywood movies. So knowing states through the movie and experiencing it in real life, I would say it's not really that different. Minus, of course, we minus out all those actions and, and things of such. Not so much drama in real life. Yes, yes. It's, yeah, yeah. I kind of like know what's going on. So so when I was there, it's in a way mentally is really well prepared. So, so that really doesn't come to shock when I was there. 
<laughs> and of course, the, the the chilly winter is bad, but like I said, with a uh, hot cocoa in hand, when the snows comes, it's really enjoyable. After all, with all the years of experience of a tropic country, so it, it's fun. I would say, yeah, yeah. And of course, learning is wonderful. I love learning in the USA. Yeah. <laughs> a nice change. Yes, nice change. When you were in the US, you studied um, more than just oil palm. You studied lots of different crops as in the in the course of the curriculum. Um, I just wondered, did you ever consider switching crops or staying in the US or, or moving somewhere else? Was it always going to be the case that you chose to go back to Malaysia? Well, when I'm having so much fun in the States, of course, this is really something that came across in my mind. All crops is really similar. So switching from crop to crop is really not a very big issue. However, one thing struck me uh, when I have a conversations with my colleague that happens to be a sponsored student from Syngenta. And he told me that the community that we are dealing with, especially in your crop like oil palm, and he was in the crop uh, like maize, regardless how how extensively this the crop has been planted, generally the scientific community for crop is not big. So we really have to think about the uh, situation not upon oneself, but rather as a community. So I decided to stay really loyal to what I have, um, what I have um, started off with. And that's really uh, helpful in making decisions. You no, know, when when we look beyond uh, just ourselves. So, are there any influences on your career so far that you've been particularly grateful for? I am really fortunate that we have strong support from the principals. I I think the principals have the uh, far sides that believe that wood palm is a crop that is that has no alternative. So therefore, I think they, they see the potential and they believe in this potential. So with with that that uh, sights they have or the vision they had, we, we believe with with such belief that that really creates good motivation for us to, to do our research. And uh, commonly, you, you don't see CEOs uh, really work so closely with you. Our CEOs have such interest to join us in selecting authors for cloning. So, so this is how interested and how um, much faith he has in R&D in creating the uh, what I call a variety for, for the plantation and make a significant impact. So, so that is something that we are always grateful to the principals for the financial support and and the faith and the belief they have in the team and the crop. Yeah, so so I suppose that create a really strong sense of uh, security for whether the job security or so or in general, yeah. The next question I'd like to ask is what concerns you have for the future? I was thinking in particular about the conversation we had in the past about engaging younger people with agriculture. How do you view the need to engage young people in the future? And do you have any thoughts on how that could be done differently or more effectively? Uh, yes, that's certainly my concern because the brain for R&D, we, we need a good brain to, to really work towards with, with innovations, creativity in, in, in inputs to the um, R&D for oil palm in general. 
but we 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 are seeing poor engagement in the newer generation in agriculture um, generally. Somehow it's being perceived as the 3D career. Uh, the 3D stands for the dirty, dangerous, and difficult. But the, this perception that uh, being created, I think, is not uh, giving a fair um, picture about agriculture in general. So we at the station um, do run some, what we call that, um, um, visitors or open days to schools and um, primary and educa- uh, primary and secondary schools to to really create awareness to the, to the students that know um, the the possibility from agriculture and uh, we, we, with that engagement we hope we could put in our little bit of effort to create awareness about this this industry yeah. So, so these these are the things that we have done, and it has been our concern because we do find um, difficulties in getting um, good people and qualified, uh, competent people to join this industry, uh, be it R and D or the uh, productions, you know, the, the plantings, the planters in the industry. So, so we are really looking forward that something can be done to increase the awareness about the importance of this industry. One final question from me, and it's a question I ask many of my guests, is what motivates you when the going gets tough? The first thing that came into mind when I, well, with this question is Romans 8.28 from Bible. And it says, uh, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. So, so that's always motivates me in difficult times. Yes. yes. Great stuff. Well, well, I'm going to wrap it up there. So thank you very much for your time today. It's been great talking to you. Wong Chu Kien from Applied Agricultural Resources. Thank you for sharing your plant breeding story. Thank you, Hannah. It's my pleasure. You've been listening to Plant Breeding Stories by PBS International. And I'm your host, Hannah Senior. This was the last episode in season one, but season two is already in the pipes and we'll return with more plant breeding stories soon. This podcast is about a pretty specialist topic, which can make it difficult for people who share our interest in this kind of thing to find it. So if you've enjoyed the podcast, please recommend it to your friends and colleagues and help others in the plant science community to find it by rating this episode and subscribing to the series. I'd love to hear from you if you want to suggest people you'd like me to interview. You can contact me on Twitter at PBSint or on Instagram at PBS underscore int. Until next time, stay well.